Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The Florida Gators managed to score fewer points against South Carolina than did Vanderbilt. Listen to my voice. Wake Forest, North Carolina was a non-conference game, not an ACC game. Clemson is 6-3, and and life is good. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. This is our Louisville Cardinals game recap show. Ben, quality win. Nice to see the offense show some life in this one. A lot to take away from this game. A little close for comfort there toward the end, but all in all, satisfying victory for Clemson. A lot to break down in this one. How you doing? Doing good. And you know, I mean, for me, this was the biggest game. I mean, this was the biggest win of the season, of the 2021 season. You know, Dabo may have considered the Florida State game, as he mentioned, as a top five in his uh, Clemson coaching career or, all, or coaching career anywhere. Um, I will say for this season, the Louisville game was certainly the bigger one on the road um, playing a coming from behind um, against a team that was better than Florida state. I know we came from behind against Florida state, but doing that uh, against Louisville, I know we had some help with Malik Cunningham getting injured, but listen, DJ got injured. Several other of our guys got injured, not in just this game and, you know, previous games and even before the season started. So um, that was a huge win uh, for this program this year. Puts us at six and three um, with the opportunity to, you know, bowl eligible, obviously, but with the opportunity to still, you know, run off 10 wins this season if you can win out. So a big win uh, for the Tigers. It's two games in a row where we put up 30 points um, and this time legitimately 30 points by the offense. Um, and, and things are, you know, looking up on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm very encouraged by that. Still a lot of points left out on the field, which is dis, uh, is frustrating, but is also kind of encouraging because those plays are there. We just have to execute. And you've started to see that execution come together in the past few games. We're a far cry from 14 to eight against Georgia Tech. I'll say that. Yeah, I agree with all of those points. Um, maybe to add more kind of high-level bullets to this one. Um, this is not an overall critique. I did observe this to be the worst defensive game of the season, um, not just by point totals here um, against, you know, opposition. Uh, but even, even you know, in the pick game and the NC State game, I feel like there were kind of extenuating circumstances where the offense um, really led to some of the points scored by the opposition in the form of turnovers um, untimely turnovers. So, yeah, I mean, you know, not the crisp, most crisp defensive performance of the season, uh, but one where man, when it mattered, man, when it counted, did they show up and, um, you know, Louisville, obviously with Malik Cunningham going out, I, I do think Clemson probably does not win this game if he remains healthy and just continues to, um, burn us on the edge and in the running game. 
Um, and then, you know, they had a lot of explosive plays in the passing game too. He's not just, you know, a, a one, a, a one trick pony, so to speak. So um, that was just another observation, but you know, that, that does not for me, sully a 30 point offensive effort or a, a tough road road victory in a tough environment at night. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're happy to come away from that one with a win. Um, but there's a lot to break down in this one, Ben. And, you know, in addition to the play of the defense, the play of DJ Clemson bouncing back from some of those injuries. Um, there are also some, also some coaching moments in this one that I think we're going to need to talk about tonight. Good or bad? Not good. Not good. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and then also, I was hoping we were going to be able to get through this show without talking about either the transfer portal or coaching changes um, because we've been beating that dead horse for so long, it's become a bit macabre. Um, but it looks like we're going to have to talk about at least one of those. Yeah, and probably both, if I'm being honest. So, um, well, why don't we let's keep the focus on Louisville? We can look ahead to program building, you know, what, what's going on with transfers and what that means longer term. But why don't we start with the bright spot of this game, the Clemson offense? You mentioned it, Ben, 30 points in this one. Really a an up and down game. I think something that, um, you know, you, you, you can't look at this game and not factor in some of the guys that got banged up in this one. Um, Kobe Pace, you know, not necessarily the sole lead back here. Obviously, Will Shipley being back from his lower leg injury, um, you know, was encouraging for Clemson fans. Shipley actually himself went out for a little bit too, um, both on pretty much targeting plays. Um, only one of those was called for an ejection and actually a penalty, Ben. But um, I thought both of those were reminiscent of the NC State game in 2016 where Wayne Gallman went out, got his bell rung, and it was just a little bit difficult for Clemson to move the ball and be efficient after that. Fortunately in this one, um, though Phil Maffa did not really get it going after those guys both got dinged up, Shipley managed to come back in. He had the long kick return. Special teams play set up Clemson for a short field, which was really nice later on in that game. Uh, but overall, Shipley coming back in definitely you know, helped out a ton leading to this victory. Yeah, I mean, he's the best running back on the team, and that's nothing against Kobe Pace or Phil Moffa. They're really good running backs as well. I mean, those are three really good running backs to be able to build your offense around, um, and they're all young, so that's huge. Um, but Will Shipley, you know, we, we talk about um, his toughness, his grit, and also his leadership skills that he's showing as a true freshman. And I think that's why it's really important to have him in there. I wasn't surprised to see Kobe Pace get the start coming back just because of how he's played this year and filling in um, or how he, he played in Shipley's absence. Um, but Shipley's the main guy. Um, he, he's the biggest threat there. He's the guy that can really wear down defenses with how hard he runs and can really help open things up for some of the other guys. I was surprised to see him come back in. I was really worried he was going to be out uh, in the concussion protocol, but um, great to get him back. You know, overall the, we didn't really get much going on the ground in this game. Um, I to Louisville's linebackers. Like I think they were, they were exceptional in this one and that, that sort of made Clemson a little bit one dimensional having to, uh, air it out a little bit, which thankfully worked out. But yeah, uh, not the most impressive game on the ground for the yeah. Tigers. And credit where credit is due. So credit to Louisville um, for their execution and their game plan. But also, 
you know, a couple things that are sticking out to me, even though it seemed okay in the Florida state game and we ran the ball pretty well. Um, I do think losing Matt Bockhorse is a big blow uh, to this team, just being able to put him in there, either at right guard um, ahead of Trotter or at left guard ahead of Tate Rayburn seems to be doing pretty well um, snapping the ball at center and blocking. Um, he had the one bad stat that DJ uh, did a really great job recovering from. That was awesome. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, I think that's one of the issues. I mean, obviously the offensive line has been an issue all year, but um, having losing Bockers obviously didn't help, but with a guy like Phil Maffa and especially on these goal line plays, like get him the ball outside, get him on the edge. He's a guy that can turn that corner and cut up field really quickly. Um, and so pounding him up the middle, I just don't think that's his game. I'm fine doing that with Shipley because he's such a bruiser, but I'd really like to see them use Maffa um, uh, a little bit differently to really take advantage of his burst and his speed. Yeah. I mean, I think that speaks a little bit to the offensive scheme in the running game, as well as what are they comfortable doing or what can this O-line that they have in there with guys out of position, you know, what, what are they able to pull off in the running game here? So I think we know the tendency to move to inside zone and rely from the outside, you know, on passing or potentially screen game. Uh, but again, you know, if we don't really have, um, yeah, if, if the blocking for inside zone isn't up to snuff, uh, do we really like, is, is calling outside, outside zone plays or, you know, counter plays, that sort of thing. Like, can we really rely on, Walker parks and up to this point, put them. And at this point, Mason Trotter, who's pretty much a center playing a right guard position, you know, are those guys going to make the right type of plays in the blocking scheme to spring Maffa to the outside? Um, there might be a situation, Ben, where you do need to get the tight end a little bit more involved to sl- set up on that side or have, have the tight end crossover or pull uh, to, to spring Maffa. And maybe that's something as Maffa develops, he'll get a feel for the timing and let, let the blocking develop where he can find the holes and push it outside. But, um, but I yeah, kind of like, I kind of like using him with this just kind of rawness, much like we saw Travis Etienne in his first year where he didn't wait for the hole. Um, and that's maybe a good strategy to use this year since there aren't any holes anyways. <laughs> so if you can like get to the line of scrimmage as quick as you can, you know, beat the defender, I think Moth is the type of guy and has the type of quickness that it can get around the edge. We'll start using some jet sweeps. Um, Bo Collins looked really great in this game. We know Justin Ross um, um, has the ability to do that. Really liked what I saw out of Bo Collins. Um, yeah. So I just, I really feel like our only, the only way we try to stretch the running game to the outside is via the screen passes, which haven't been working very well this year either. Um, so Again, we're not great at pounding the ball up the middle, especially in goal line situations. And it was just maddening on that that one series, right, where we went, um, were able unable to convert the fourth down. I mean, Maffa ran into that what was supposed to be a hole. The whole line was blocking that direction, the direction that he was supposed to go in, and it was just a jumble of guys. Yeah, there was nothing. Um, so I'd love to see some type of misdirection. Um, or creativity in the play calling there instead of like over and over again. It's, it's not just a this year thing, right? It was happening last year too. All comes back to the O-line talent, Ben, and getting elite caliber O-linemen in the right position or having depth there if they go down with injury. 
to be able to have. But I think you still have to like at least attempt to play call around that. Yeah, I'm with you. Like dealing with again, we can't change that for this season. You got who you got. Um, not able to add anybody this year. Don't think we're gonna burn red shirts to get guys in there against UConn and probably not against Wake either. You gotta go with go with these guys. And if you look at snap counts, there were only five O linemen that played in this game. Didn't didn't get Paul Tio involved, didn't really get anybody else involved in this. You mentioned Bach Horse is out for the season, really done with his career. So um, yeah, it's, it kind of is what it is. So I, I think I agree with you. Like it'd just be nice to not try the same thing over and over. Um, especially when late in the game or at the goal line to your point and late in the game, when you need a first down or ideally a touchdown to put the game out of reach, uh, you're running Phil Maffa right into the line and Louisville's defensive tackles and linebackers already had that snuffed out. But even if they didn't, they're winning those one-on-one battles up front. Yeah, I think it's just we're a little too predictable in several areas, that being one of them. Um, and then also, I mean, every time Tyson's in the game or comes in for like one play or something, I know they're probably trying to set something up, I guess, for the end of the year, but um, we're at the end of the year. And you know he's going to run the ball. Um, there was another play where it was just completely obvious we were going to run, and he got stuffed um, trying to convert. So we're just so predictable. And I know part of that is the personnel in the field, but I still think that you have to be able to, you can't, your mindset can't be, I can only run my offense if I've got star players performing up to their peak um, ability, right? You've got to be able to adapt it to the personnel that you have out there. And it's it's frustrating because I feel that we struggle in doing that. Yeah, and, um, and I think that's a consistent, I mean, it's been consistent this year, but again, there's certain things that have been there the last several years. It's we've talked, I think the last two years about putting ourselves in second and thirds and longs and just not having very successful first down plays, which again, limits your ability. Even with Trevor Lawrence last year, um, it, it brings down um, your odds of converting. So this isn't a one year thing. Uh, that aligns with kind of the drop in talent on the field. That's part of it, but there are some of these trends we've seen happen for two or three years now. Yeah, we have been talking about it. Um, I want to maybe pivot us to a little bit of a brighter spot, Ben, and that was the play of DJ Uyunglele in this one. Uh, A lot of chatter this season from, you know, the likes of former quarterbacks talking about, uh, coaching staff not necessarily developing DJ in the right way or not developing Trevor Lawrence before him. Um, others questioning DJ's grit, DJ's drive is a killer, a lot of those things. Um, DJ went down in this game with what seems to be a PCL injury, um, posterior cruciate ligament for those keeping track at home um, to see him come back in and not just play, but lead this team back from a deficit in the fourth quarter and scamper for a game-winning touchdown it was awesome to see uh, dj did it largely with a smile on his face post-game interview super positive guy uh, but you can tell the competitive dude did not want you know to see his team lose did not want to watch that from the sidelines so um, beyond that toughness that he displayed though ben i thought this was definitely his best game as a decision-making quarterback and as a leader of this offense um, got over 200 yards in this one 
pretty good on a yardage per attempt basis as well. No interceptions, uh, you know, uh, uh, some errant throws in this one, but that's just going to happen with essentially a first year starter, even in the 10th game of the season or the ninth game of the season. So um, I thought DJ played a great game and you're really starting to see him establish himself as the leader of this offense that we all have wanted him to be all along. Um, I think everyone's really big on Will Shipley as kind of an alpha dog, but um, I think DJ is starting now to get that fire in his belly as the starting quarterback here. Well, and if you didn't think his, you know, wondered uh, how much of a leader was or how much his teammates looked up to him and respected him, then after this game, you should have no question. Yeah. I mean that um, he laid it all out there on the field coming back after that injury, we put up 20 points after he went down with the injury um, and yeah, I thought I saw a lot of improvement and to give Tony Elliott some credit, you know, give credit to DJ too on that, um, on the, uh, the touchdown run that put us ahead, uh, where he limped into the end zone, but I thought that was a pretty good play call considering they may not be expecting that considering DJ was banged up, right? You saw our defense. No one was within two yards of him yeah, that yeah. whole run. It was so awesome. It, yeah. We, we saw with our defense, even, um, you know, not when Conley was in there, but when Malik Cunningham was able to come back, there were certain things he wasn't going to be able to do. And that's in part why they weren't able to move the ball very efficiently until, until that last drive. Um, so I did think that was a good call by to- Tony Elliott. Um, and yeah, um, DJ continues to play better and better every game. We are seeing development out of him. Um, I haven't been one of the people that thinks Streeter should be gone at the end of the year. Um, I think he needs more time and we've seen development in our quarterback and I'll mention it again. Anybody that thinks after watching, um, the two quarterbacks in there that doesn't think that DJ gives this team the best opportunity to win is, I mean, honestly, you're blind or you're stupid. Um, Puma, you know, great for him. Um, I think there are certain packages, um, that we can put in, in the game plan that will certainly help this team. He does have abilities, not the greatest passer, um, but he's got legs, right? So he is a weapon there. And I think as this team gets a little more comfortable in offense, um, here towards the end of the year, maybe in the South Carolina game, you might see them split DJ out wide and do some type of trickeration play with, uh, with, with Tyson Pumachan. Um, but the bottom line is DJ is the best quarterback on this team and gives uh, the Clemson football team the best opportunity to win. And uh, despite all the naysayers, he's kind of kept his head down and he's improved game after game this year. What really helps too, Ben, is starting to establish some more chemistry with a more consistent group of wide receivers. Unfortunately, in addition to Kobe Pace, we mentioned before, who went out with a concussion-like symptoms, sounds like he's going to be okay. Um, which is great news, you know, moving forward for Kobe, Joe and went out in this game with a foot injury. Um, at the time kind of looked like he came up with a hamstring. Uh, that was my thought at least, um, on a route that just sailed out of bounds. Um, everyone thought would have been a first down conversion, but, um, turns out Ngata has a foot injury. That's going to cost him at least a couple of weeks, um, time away from the team. As he went out, though, you really started to see guys like Dakari Collins come in and Bo Collins establish themselves even more in this offense. Um, Bo Collins fitting in in the slot. Justin Ross um, has moved to the boundary position. And coming in for Ngata, I think you saw Dakari Collins and EJ Williams really start to establish a little bit more chemistry with DJ. 
but the the guy of the game really here on offense, I think was Bo Collins outside of DJ um, went for over a hundred yards. That touchdown was amazing. Honestly, credit his separation and his route running there, but also the offensive line standing up on that one and DJ having a perfect ball. So I know that we got fat, rich and spoiled Ben off of those kind of plays from Trevor Lawrence that we took him for granted. I did not take that one for granted. Um, that was a, that was a probably the highest high I've had this season watching Clemson football. Well, watching Bo Collins just come wide open and DJ just dropped the ball right in there. Uh, both for DJ, the touch on his passes, especially on those deep balls has gotten a lot better as the season has gone along. Um, and then for Bo Collins, the move to the slot, um, great coaching decision. Um, I, I can understand, I guess, why we put Justin Ross there at the beginning of the year, because, you know, the guy you were going to have there, Brandon Spector, um, uh, unavailable due to injury, Bo Collins, a true freshman, probably not quite ready yet. Uh, might not have played that position for in, in, in high school. I'm not sure, but that would be my, my guess. Um, but well, and you had Lad- Ladson and Ngata that were like top of the depth chart ready to yeah. go at their positions. Right. Yeah. And, but Bo Collins is a guy who's been progressing more and more as the season has gone along. He had a coming out um, game in, in this one um, at a new position made some great catches, got at least one pass center, drew at least one pass interference call down the sideline. Um, so that was a huge bright spot in this offense. And starting to see, you know, some pieces of this puzzle start to start to get completed or start to fit in, you know, it, get the slot uh, position kind of nailed down and have a dependable guy there. You have Justin Ross back on the outside, his natural position, the one the, you know, the place that he's most effective as a weapon. Um, the running back position we talked about, you got three guys back there that, you know, God willing, as long as they stay healthy, um, we're in good shape. So um, it's just bringing along that third wide receiver, especially now with Joe and Gata out and like the offensive line it, at this point, you just want to see a little bit of, you know, um, improvement every game, knowing that we're throwing a bunch of young guys in there now. Um, but, you know, taking a step back, you know, we talked about injuries at the beginning of the year and, you know, as the season has gone along and chalked a lot of the lack of depth with those injuries up to roster management and stuff, but it is just comical at this point, how many injuries, like, I don't know what team could sustain all of these injuries and and still keep on ticking like this at a high level. So, I mean, the bad part about it is, is you do have all these guys injured and you're not necessarily running out your kind of one, a two, a guys out on the field every time. But the good part is, is you are getting a lot of these young guys who are going to be dependent on more next year to lead the team. You're getting them a lot of reps, a lot of snaps this year. Um, and so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the a silver, silver lining, lining, right? That's yeah. the, the, the glass yeah. half full take. It is. And add to that, not just the injuries, Ben, but the transfers out like Lynn J Dixon. We thank him for his time as a tiger and for what he, what he did while he was here. Um, if he was still in this mix, we wouldn't see Phil Moffa getting, you know, seven, eight, 10 carries a week and Kobe pace getting what he gets um, and continuing to develop. And th- those guys are as big a part of the future as Will Shipley is. And he also would have been sharing carries with Lynn J Dixon. So it, you know, add transfers to kind of that, that whole equation too. Um, the overall goals of this program that we've all been accustomed to will remain their goals moving forward. I think it is important that these key offensive playmakers and honestly, even the, the depth guys on the O-line really are getting these starting snaps and getting the chance to prove themselves against 
you know, middle of the road to upper upper tier ACC opponents. Yeah, so kind of like taking a step back, um, not just focusing on the individual players, but I, I also thought there was um, some other good highlights from the offense as a whole in this game. Um, you had a great two-minute drill at the end of the first half to go down and score. That was a sight for sore eyes um, for sure. We had three scoring drives in the fourth quarter. Um, so the third quarter has been a struggle for this Clemson team and being able to make adjustments and come out kind of hot after halftime. Um, we haven't seen that a lot this year, but, you know, again, slowly it's the incremental change or the incremental improvement that we need to be looking for. And we have been seeing that if, again, if you compare this game to the 14 to eight Georgia tech win earlier in the season, it's a night and day difference for this offense. I mean, it's more than two X, the points, <laughs> it's not saying no, it's much because the- it's still only 30, but uh, you know, this is the hand we're dealt this year and at least they've gotten better, not worse. Yeah, and what I'm going to look forward to in some of the film review, Ben, from uh, Total Football and other guys over at Shaking the Southland is, like, do we think the scheme is starting to loosen up and soften up and kind of, you know, is, is Tony Elliott cracking the back pages of that playbook here? Um, obviously, if you've got guys going down to injury on the in the running game, you know, we, we may be looking a little bit more vanilla there. Uh, but I am curious, like, is it a different look that we're throwing out there to Justin Ross and Bo Collins? Um, I think we saw a few plays where they were, they did have a bunch formation with the wide receivers. I know there was one where DJ took a sack and I think the intended target was going to be Sage Ennis. Um, didn't look back for the ball, unfortunately, but um, it does seem, you know, maybe surface level, maybe it's, it's not actually happening. Um, that's why I want the experts to call it out. It's just that we are starting to see a little bit more comfort and confidence in DJ and in the playmakers. And dare I say in the O-line to get, keep protection up that, we are starting to see a little bit more, um, you know, I guess optimistic play calling happening, uh, which is a good sign because I think this team may well have to play either with a deficit or in a bit of a shootout situation against Wake Forest coming up. Um, we could talk about that maybe when we sw- switch over to the defense, but um, yeah, it's, it's encouraging to see the highest two point totals of the season happen in the last two weeks. And we're going to have UConn this week. I think you and I are both expecting us to score more than 30 again. Uh, that's going to be needed going up against a, a feisty wake offense coming up. Yeah. And to have the experience of having come back against Florida state last week and then doing it again here against Louisville on the road um, in a, you know, in, in a decent college football environment. I, I don't think this where the stands full I can't recall. I remember them saying something about giving away free tickets or something throughout the week. Um, but still that experience matters. You know, we should get um, a little confidence boost against UConn coming up here this weekend. Um, I, the purple out. I want to see know. at least, I mean, I would like to think we get 50 at this point. Um Maybe not. I mean, I think we'll have to settle for over 40, but, you know, UConn is a one and eight football team. Um, their one win coming a six point nail biter against Yale. Um, so. I think, I think you're going to see a healthy dose of Hunter Helms in this one. Um, I don't know how, how much DJ is going to play. Obviously we all want to see how bad that injury is. I do wonder that, but yeah. Um, he still needs the reps. I don't care who we're playing. Like he needs. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not going to play like at all. I'm, I'm saying like, 
uh, my hope is we're going to have such a big lead that it's like, why even bother putting any kind of stress on that knee? Um, so I yeah, would, I, I would still quarter expect and a half, him to play know. halfway into the third quarter with, with Puma getting some reps earlier on in the game and the main tape, maybe taking over um, halfway through the third and then Hunter probably getting in there sometime in the fourth quarter. I mean, if, if everything goes according to plan um, again, yeah. I do not expect UConn to give us much of a battle in this game. So it will be good to get a lot of these other guys in who haven't been able to play for the most part all year long, but um, we're still such a young team that needs a lot of development that uh, I don't want to re- necessarily see third stringers in there in the second quarter. Ben, I know the running performance in this one didn't give you a ton of confidence. Um, didn't give me much either. I'm wondering against wake, if the coaching staff decides, like, I don't know if we're built out for a, North Carolina ask 56 53 type of shootout performance. You know, is there, you think Clemson might try to go a different way with this and just do more like a power run, keep away type of game in that one? Wake's defense is pretty, we've, pretty we've, trash. We've seen a lot of teams do that against us in the past, right? Really slow down um, the tempo and yeah, like for, think of Virginia Tech last possession, year, right? But, that's not that's not this offense's identity, um, so I'm not so sure the game plan gets adjusted so drastically um, yeah. to do that. You know, especially if you want to keep guys in rhythm. But uh, you do have to win games, and you do have to give yourself the best opportunity to win games. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out. Now, at the same time, I know that was a high scoring game. I know Wake has been putting up points this year. Um, but I don't exactly see a defense on their schedule that is anything close to the caliber of Clemson's defense. And I know we gave up some more points in this game, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't, the offense is not going to have to score 50 in that game, but I do think we're probably gonna have to score into the thirties. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, you know, the, I think there are opportunities. I was having a chat with Matt golden over at shaking the Southland about this. Um, Wake does that kind of delayed mesh point. Uh, handoff kind of run pass option with Hartman sometimes. And you can do that when you're playing North Carolina's defense or you're playing, you know, Syracuse's defense, but Clemson against Xavier Thomas and Tyler Davis and miles Murphy. Um, and even Rook, like, uh, uh-uh, it's not going to work. So um, you might n- need to see Sam Hartman get the ball out a little faster than he's used to. Don't know what that's going to do for their efficiency. Um, if they're always going to make those connect- connective plays. And Clemson's linebacking core has definitely been up to the task this year uh, well, in, and, in the well, past game, passing game. Keeping the, the focus on the offense here before we switch over, that um, the offense is going to have to carry their fair share of the load and making sure the defense is not out there on the field for extended periods of time. Um, keep the turnovers down, ideally, to none. Um but don't be putting the ball on the ground, throwing interceptions. Um, no muff punts. Can't give up those easy turnovers. Um, and the offense just then needs to execute. And it's okay to punt. You know, let's limit the three and outs. And then also, you know, speaking of that fourth down Mafa up the middle, take the points. Take the points. Like, we're not... We, we've struggled the past two years in goal line situations, punching it up the middle. And that was with Travis Etienne. Like, take the points at this, at this time, especially if you're not trying to – if you're not so far behind that you just need touchdowns or it's a bust. Like, take the field goals. Put the points on the scoreboard. 
keep the confidence in the offense and keep moving. I agree, Ben. Um, North Carolina State is who Wake plays this weekend. They're going to be their toughest relative defense. Um, NC State's ranked 19th in advanced stats defense um, in the FEI rankings. Clemson's number seven in those same rankings. And um, I'd probably take Clemson over at least half of the top six that they've got on this list. So, um, yeah, you know, NC State's going to be better than anybody else that Wake has faced thus far. So we'll get a feel for it. And Wake's going to have a, a pretty tough back-to-back uh, type of type of a setup in terms of defenses and Clemson being the better of the two. And I, I'm glad that we're getting them the week after NC State. I can't believe that it's Wake two weeks in a row that is um, the ACC team that I'm most intrigued about watching. And then this one, obviously, this one against NC State being a, a conference game. Um, it's not often I, I sit down for an ACC conference game that Clemson's not playing in and kind of keep my eyes glued to the TV. But I'll be watching that this weekend for sure. Yeah, it should be a good one. Um, I mean, it's it's essentially for the ACC Atlantic. Obviously, neither team can clinch that. Clemson's hopes are still alive overall in this one. Um, but yeah, what I would say is, I don't know what, I mean, I guess we might as well talk about the scenarios now in which Clemson can make it. Um, if we look at the schedules of these these teams, Ben, and who they would have to lose to afterwards, um, the way it plays out, NC State has to lose two more. Wake has to lose two more. Uh, one of those could be to Clemson. So we really only need to Wake to lose to either NC State or BC um, in order for Clemson to finish ahead of them, assuming we beat them. NC State, meanwhile, has to lose two more. I almost think, I mean, I don't know that we can count on BC to do much of anything. Phil Dracovic is back there, he though. He's back. I think, so we can. It, I think we can with him being back. Right. And it's always hard for an offense like Wake. It's, it's like three weeks in a row. You know, they lost this last weekend to UNC. Play NC State. Let's say they win a squeaker against them. Then they play a really tough Clemson defense. We win that game. Um, then they have to face BC in like a feisty Dracovic. Maybe BC is playing for, you know, a better bowl berth or whatever. Um, I think that is our best path. So what I mean by that is Wake get hand NC State their first loss or, you know, the first of the two that NC State needs to take. And then you're relying on somebody like Syracuse or UNC to then beat NC State in one of their final two games. Yeah, and looking at their schedule, I know it's all nice to, to have seen them in Aiden O'Wake Forest up there in the rankings, but they haven't beaten a team this year that is any better than the teams we've, we've lost to. A couple of them being the same that we've played, three of them, Florida State, Louisville, and Syracuse. Um, otherwise, I mean, their schedule is very pedestrian. They had no big out-of-conference yeah, they, games. North they didn't Carolina being their big one. Um yeah, so no, I can certainly, I think I, I think we need them just because by virtue of who NC State has to play, um, that being Syracuse and North Carolina. Um, I, I think at this point, the best chance is for Wake to beat North Carolina State and then hope North Carolina State gets one loss to either North Carolina or Syracuse. Um, and then just hope Djokovic um, gets BC back on the track and trajectory that they were looking to be at at the beginning of the year and can pull off an upset. That's at Boston College, too. That's on the road. So that'll be a tough environment for them. Fully agree. Uh, I think that's Thanksgiving weekend, too. It um, is. 
So out of sorts, but anyway, Ben, yeah, I honestly, I, I have faith until, till I see another ACC team score 30 points on a Brent Venables defense. Like I'm not going to bank on it. So, um, I, I, I think, you know, Clemson gets into the thirties, our defense holds them into the twenties. That's kind of my, like too early to make it prediction for that game. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll see how they fare against NC state this weekend. Um, while we're on the topic, I guess we should talk about Clemson's defense and this performance against Louisville. All right, Ben, in this one, I know we touched on earlier, uh, Clemson with its toughest defensive output of the season, allowing 24 to Louisville. Um, you can attribute uh, some of that to turnovers in this one um, coming off the Will Brown fumble uh, kind of gave them, set them up for a short field there in the end of the first quarter. Um, I knew that drew a lot of ire from Clemson fans. We'll talk about that in a special team bit, um, but across the board, I feel like, you know, through the first two and a half, three quarters of this game, um, Clemson really had no answers for Malik Cunningham, particularly on the edge, uh, particularly through uh, just not an inability to kind of track him down and kind of set the edge and keep contained there. Um, I think we expected some of that coming into this game, but just to see some uh, really no answers from the Clemson defense in this one was tough. There were also some penalty issues and um, just poor tackling early on in this game. So, um, and then, you know, beyond that, there were also a lot of explosive plays through the air. Um, Louisville did also seem to convert those very frustrating third down and longs um, in this one that we saw a little bit rear its head in the Florida State game, definitely against Pitt. So, um, I, you know, still a very dominant defense from Clemson. A lot of plays were made when it mattered most, and they're really the key to why Clemson came away with the victory toward the end of the game. But, Ben, I, I do believe on some level with this team, you are starting to see some of that wear and tear of the season, playing a, a lot more time of possession, a lot, lot, lot higher number of snaps than you might otherwise expect, coupled with injuries on this team and really seeing the, the depth start to be challenged. I think you are starting to see that take its toll a little bit on Clemson's defense. Um, hoping to have a bounce back week here against UConn, get some guys some rest, get some of that, that youth movement in there to get some experience, and then come out hopefully rejuvenated for a wake opponent in a couple of weeks who's got a really good offense. Yeah, next week will be a good opportunity on the defensive side of the ball now to start getting some of those younger guys in and give some of the guys that are banged up a, a bit of a rest. I wonder if Andrew Booth maybe uh, doesn't take a seat um, just because that's recovering from that stinger he got in this past game. Um, and I don't think our defense needs nearly as much development as the offense does. Um, and I do agree. The injuries are starting to stack up on both sides of the ball. I think we're starting to see, there is a drop-off without Brisset not being in there. I think the duo of him and Tyler Davis um, does make a big difference. Now, Rook has played great all season long. He had an amazing pass knockdown in this game where he got about three feet up in the air. Um, I think that, that saved great. a touchdown, Ben. Yeah, like. that, that was great to see. And yeah. But, I mean, the, the, the storyline of this defense, um, they stood up when they had to. And it was really the big plays that beat them in this game. I mean, their, their three touchdowns was – a 26-yard run, a 23-yard run, and a 51-yard run, uh, two of which were by Malik Cunningham, and then they were able to drive the field um, in the last uh, uh, drive of the game with really two pretty amazing catches by their wide receivers. Uh, the one 
that was heavily covered by Mario Goodrich. And then the one right there down there near the goal line that set them up for first and goal right there at the end before the Tigers shut them down on four straight plays. Um, so it was more the big play, I think, beating Clemson in this game. And a lot of credit has to go to Malik Cunningham. Listen, this offense for Louisville with any other quarterback does not look like that. Malik Cunningham was a was a game changer. And I think if you know he develops his passing uh, more a little bit, and, and he did not look like a terrible passer by any stretch of the imagination in this game, that's a good quarterback. Um, and I was really impressed by him in this game. And so I think a lot of credit goes goes to him and, and the Louisville offense in this one. But at the end of the day, the Clemson defense was able to hold up. They made the big fourth down stop when it mattered. Um, and I know we get a little nervous by seeing Louisville putting up the 24 points. Obviously, probably would have put up more had Malik Cunningham not been injured. Um, but I just can't help but like the bright spots and, and the players that are flashing that really stand out for me in this game and that just kind of make me smile and not worry about that other stuff. Uh, Trent yeah. Simpson continues to be a freaking beast. He still gets a little aggressive rushing off the edge and loses containment at times. And that allowed uh, Cunningham to get around the edge, but sophomore second year player, he struggled with that a bit last year, but his instincts are still pretty great. His athleticism is top notch. Um, Andrew McCuba continues to make huge plays. He's been great in run support. RJ Mickens there at the end. Uh, it made some good plays. I thought he played well and all these are really young guys. So the future is really bright here on the defense. Um, I do my, my one kind of question for you is what do you think about miles Murphy? Is he kind of taking us like a sophomore slump type of year? He just doesn't seem to be having as much of an impact as I was added hoping to. Uh, it's not that he is held on every single play, Ben. Well, that's true. like, Go watch, go watch these plays. He's held all over the place. Oh man, like, there was one. I, it might have been on a touchdown, but like a chokehold on KJ Henry in the first quarter that was just so blatantly obvious. I'm like, you got just nobody ever. When's the last time you saw an offensive lineman called for holding against the Clemson defensive line? Like twice the whole year in meaningless moments of the game. Yeah, yeah, it never happens. Right. So, no, I, I mean, I do think Murphy is impactful in his own way. He's also drawing double teams. So um, I think this is where offensive coordinators and kind of like O-line coaches are picking their poison. They're like, and this is a little bit why you do see guys like Trent Simpson and Xavier Thomas and honestly, Rook, like have an impact on this game because um, the offense is working so hard to try to contain and shut down Miles Murphy. So I think, you know, potentially from a statistical standpoint and like the number of highlight plays we see and number of times we hear his name called agreed, like we're not, we're not necessarily feeling it as much as we did. Uh, but I think there's kind of a reason for that and opposing teams know like that dude is a bad guy and they got to try to shut him down and eliminate him. Um, I still think he's been able to get his to some extent and I sure wish that the refs would kind of pay attention to that and start to punish these offenses. Yeah, and part of that too is you know we're, the D line just hasn't been getting home rushing four um, on passing downs, and, and that gave Malik uh, some time in this game to be able to complete some passes. But overall, um, you know this defense is allowing touchdowns in twenty seven percent of red zone appearances by opponents this year, and the only team better than that is is Georgia at twenty five percent. So they still have that clutch gene, which shows up big. Um, and I think another reason Louisville was able to have success in this game, and again, this was a big topic of conversation 
coming out of last season, entering this season is, you know, they played with tempo. They'd get up, you know, they'd huddle, but they'd get up to the line quickly out of the huddle and snap the ball pretty quick. Um, not allowing maybe play calls to come in or your defense to get completely set. And we've seen that tempo cripple a Clemson defense here in recent years. So I think all those things combined, um, you know, led to, you know, kind of this outpouring of points in the first half, which was, you know, 17. They only scored a touchdown in the second half. Again, Cunningham in, injured had a huge part of that, but they still got that that clutch gene when it matters. And now the offense is doing its part to put some points up on the scoreboard. If this was last year's offense um, with this year's defense in this game, uh, Clemson would have won, you know, with a healthy Cunningham, probably like maybe 42-28 or something like that still, I think. Uh, yep. Trevor and Etienne, that being that much of a difference. And we wouldn't have worried about it so much. The fact that all the games have been close this year and this was another one, yeah, it's been it's been nerve wracking, but hey, we've come from behind again two weeks in a row. So um, a large part of that due to big stands by the defense. Yeah, I want to call out two things here, Ben, on the defense before we move on. Um, you mentioned Trent Simpson was great. Another guy who we've mentioned a lot this year. I think both of us have this guy on the top of our favorite players on the defense. Andrew McCuba had a great game yet again. And I also wanted to just call out that the very end of the game, four downs, uh, what the defense showed, especially after, um, you know, two sort of freak move the ball down the field plays in the passing game uh, for the team then to just bow up, buckle down, you know, have perfect run fits, perfect assignment football, the last four plays of the game. Uh, can't say enough about the, you know, tenacity of that defense and how their focus and just execution well coached, but also just a lot of, a lot of heart from the defense too. So uh, that was just awesome to see. And I mean, man, how many games is it? You could basically go back and look at the number of games where we did not need a defensive stop uh, for a, for a would be go ahead offensive score like this season. It's like BC, Florida state, uh, Syracuse missed the field goal. Uh, now Louisville, probably two or three others. Right. And um they continue to do it. I don't love that we're putting them in that position because it direct it always comes right on the heels of like a three and out or a very disappointing offensive series just before it. But you know, we'll talk about that maybe next. I just want to take a moment just to respect and appreciate the defense for what they've been able to do all year, especially this last Saturday. Yeah, and, and this week at least in the in the series before that, um, the offense was able to get a field goal, but they still only took 16 seconds off the clock on four plays, um, gaining two yards. And that was the one I was talking about earlier, where they put Tyson in on um, yeah third down. Third down. It, was, it was obviously right. going to be a run. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it it'd be great if we could figure out how to run out the clock. Unfortunately, we have been able to do that, but the defense has been there to step up. And speaking of Makuba, the last play of the game, you know, they ran that same Hunter Renfro 2016 national championship uh, game route where the wide receivers cross and try to get the defenders to essentially run into each other. But Goodrich and Makuba did a great job handing that off and switching up on their assignments on the guys they were covering. And there was nothing there for Cunningham and, you know, with that, with that bum ankle, just had to go down there at the end. So, um, you know, and XT, I think, you know, if you, if you go back and watch that replay, Ben, um, a few things would have happened. I think, um, Skowski kind of overran his pursuit a little bit. So Cunningham tried to cut back up field. 
on a good ankle, you know, he would have been in a position to score there, might even have gotten the ball across, but XT was right on his heels. And I think you had maybe, maybe it was Makuba, maybe Goodrich um, there to kind of clean it up and probably have a goal line collision. Uh, but XT, if you watch that highlight, like, there's a lot to see in that highlight. I definitely recommend people go back and look at it. Um, Xavier Thomas basically started at like the, uh, I guess like the weak side, uh, almost like a defensive tackle position. And it was able to cross the formation, you know, in the, in the, in the mess and basically track down Malik Cunningham, um, who again, wasn't at full speed, but XT showed his, showed his agility there. Um, another dude who I think had a really good game, even though it didn't add up in the, in the stat sheet. Yeah. He he's quietly had a really good year, really been impressed. And we've talked about this, about how he's been bounced back and how he's able to impact games. Um, really proud of that kid. Um, you know, hoping that he's turning this into, you know, mid round draft pick at this point. Um, I hope, I mean, I hope to see him drafted period. Um, yeah. but I hope to start to see him moving up some of these draft boards. And I think his play on the field has certainly improved and is, is warranted that obviously we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, the more that we talk about Cunningham and his injury and then what we saw out of DJ and his injury, um, uh, really respect both those quarterbacks for playing through it because they were obviously limping after several plays, um, but they stuck it in there for their teams and great ending to a very exciting game. Yeah. Agreed. Super entertaining. Um, definitely moments of frustration in the coaching staff. I think the, we didn't really touch on it too much earlier, but the offensive play call at the goal line. I mean, we did talk about the inability to you know run it two yards to, to break the plane. Um, I, I, you know, David hood from tiger net reported, I think he got this from Tony Elliott in a quote, but Dabo was in the headset. He was in the headset on the goal line series. He was in the headset on the, uh, field goal, the penultimate series, the field goal series before that goal line stand. And, you know, Dabo, Dabo's like, look, these are run plays. I, I have faith we can bust one or, you know, not put ourselves in a position to potentially turn it over or stop the clock. Well, we took 16 seconds off the clock and, you know, to not go for a touchdown there, or at least a first down, you know, to me is the wrong coaching decision. And, you know, yeah, Dabo commented like they had to pull off like a Joe Montana, Jerry Rice act to get the ball downfield to put us in position to get to the goal line. But, you know, that's going to happen. Like you're kind of disrespecting your opponent by, you know, assuming that they're not going to come down and score on you like that. I, I just, and yeah, you can say it's faith in the defense and they've shown it, but um, it's just not, it's not great. Well, you're also like trying it. to camouflage the, the, the issue in that we were, of not course. Una- we've been unable yeah. to get first downs. And even on, I mean, again, for me, like that, that when we got stuffed on fourth down that, okay, sure. If you want to run it three times in a row, at least try to stretch one out on the edge. Uh, but when it comes to fourth down to that point in the game, kick the damn field goal, please just take the points with this offense this year, take those points. Yeah. And then with the last Clemson offensive series third down, you bring Tyson in, everybody knows what's going to happen and the defense swarm right to him. So I'm fine with run plays. I just don't care for the particular run plays that were called. I want to ask you, Ben, um, maybe I can jog your memory here a little bit. Uh, Scott Satterfield allowed his team to go four and out on the series before we kicked that field goal. And 
I think a lot of people were questioning, well, why didn't he just punt that ball? And I, it might actually have been an okay coaching decision if he knew how conservative Dabo would be and knew it would be consecutive run plays. They could use their timeouts. Um, we, we probably were going to settle for a field goal there and they'd at least have one last series to be able to potentially get in a better position to, you know, maybe they get a kickoff return or something. Um, so yeah, whereas if they punt there, you know, maybe Clemson can be a little more aggressive with its play calling and string together a few first downs. And then, then there you go game over. So at the time I thought it was a horrendous coaching decision to, you know, go for it on fourth and they really didn't do anything on that fourth down. They didn't even come close. Um, but yeah, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first, kudos to BT Potter for hitting the kicks in this game and being able to bounce back because that last one, you know, it, it was huge. Um, it made them have to go down the field and try to get a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal to tie. I was a bit surprised that they went for it there, especially so far deep into their own territory. Um, in hindsight, I think what you say makes sense, kind of knowing that if Clemson does get the ball back, that you've got timeouts and Dabo's probably just going to run the ball. Um, and lo and behold, that's what happened. And it almost yeah. worked out for him. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's not like a stroke of brilliance or anything, but, you know, yeah, he kind of played Dabo's tendency against him. So, and I like Satterfield as a football coach. Yeah, I think he's, a, he's not really a fit with, uh, with Louisville last year. He was basically trying to get hired by South Carolina. Uh, so we'll see how long he is for that place, but Why? Um, coaching, Coaching carousel is going to get, yeah, I don't know what the logic is there, but um, I take you know, he was back at App everything State. I said about him being a smart football coach. <laughs> he, he was at App State before that. Maybe he's got like a Carolina affinity or something like that. But um, in any event, I think, you know, um, where are we going with this? I feel like across the board, I don't, yeah, I, there's going to be a lot of coaching movement. You know, maybe he decides to jump off. I think Fuente is done. I think Dan Mullen's going to be done once the buyout drops a little bit here coming up. Um, I don't, I don't think Satterfield's going to go to either of those jobs. But there's just going to be a lot of shakeup across the landscape of college football. We already know about LSU, USC. You know, if James Franklin goes, if Mel Tucker goes, if any of these guys vacate their jobs, so um, there's just going to be a lot of that going on this offseason. And I do think the ACC is going to have quite a bit of movement as well. Um, well, maybe not a ton, but we mentioned Virginia Tech. I could see David Cutcliffe stepping down at Duke. Maybe Louisville opens up. Uh, who knows about Syracuse and Dino Babers? You know, he's he's kind of perpetually on that hot seat. So, um, yeah, I, I do think Louisville is a good job. I think, you, you know, you look at a guy like Cunningham, they've had some first-rounders on the offensive line, and here and there some defensive guys have looked good. Um, you know, they can get some some good talent, and they can recruit – not just in the you know central part of the Midwest, but you know Lamar Jackson came from South Florida, so um, Louisville's a pretty good job. And I, though Clemson continued the streak and we're now seven and zero against Louisville, which I do love to see. Um, I think having them be pretty good does make it, the ACC a little bit more exciting. And these games against them are either complete blowouts or like last play of the game nail biters. Yeah, and Louisville's a, a school that puts resources into its football program they've got a a great stadium um my impression when i was there was almost it, it was more similar to kind of a pro stadium than it was to a college stadium for me obviously in a great city 
Um, they've got recruiting, you know, there they can obviously Kentucky, they can go to into Ohio, they can go into Tennessee, um, North Carolina and Virginia. So, um, you know, they've got resources to be able to bring some players in. They have a recent Heisman trophy and Lamar Jackson. So, yeah, I, I think it's one of the more attractive jobs in the ACC for sure. Yeah. So there'll be, there'll be one to watch. I mean, maybe Satterfield sticks it out and kind of gets right with the athletic department and the boosters and such, and can build a contender there. Um, I think it's probably more likely they part ways at some point, but I have a feeling they're going to be able to hire someone pretty solid there if they want. I'm hoping for Bobby Petrino again, but you know, (laughs) beggars can't be choosers. (laughs) Um, All right, Ben, I think we've kind of dragged the coaching staff here enough and um But before we're done, we have to talk about the transfer portal. Um, Today, it came out that Paul Teo, offensive guard and four-star prospect in last season's recruiting class, um, has decided to put his name in the transfer portal and get out of there in Clemson. Um, This is particularly damaging, I think, Ben, just when it comes to the numbers that we have, not just for this year, but obviously moving forward, you're going to see guys like Jordan McFadden and other guy um, Walker parks, eventually um, I guess Walker parks is pretty young too, but um, you know, just in terms of numbers on this team, like offensive line is a really difficult position to recruit. So you're going to have some busts and that, and you're also going to have some injuries. It's a, it's a position where these dudes are, you know, supporting a lot of weight and they're in the trenches. A lot of guys rolling into each other's knees and ankles and di- injuries do happen this is just a position. I don't think you can ever as a football team over recruit and have too many takes. And it just seems like Clemson's always operating on a razor's edge. Um, and that you've kind of seen that in the last couple of seasons, what we've been lacking. And I, you know, with a guy like him transferring out, even though he wasn't necessarily making a huge impact this year and, you know, Tate has definitely been getting those starting snaps. Um, still just sucks that TO wasn't able to make it work. Yeah, and especially the offensive line position, like it takes two, three years at least to develop guys for the most part. I can see his situation seeing Tate playing from in front of him the entire game. Um, but it's also just kind of representative of our culture in general. It's not just a college football thing. Um, it just seems like kids these days have a quitter's mindset um, and, you know, instant gratification or they think they're deserving of things that they haven't earned yet. Um, and I don't blame that on the kids at all. I blame it on parenting. Um, and, but that's a societal issue. It's now starting to bleed, bleed over into the into NCAA football. And obviously the transfer portal doesn't help, but this is something that you have to plan for. You have to plan for this attrition at this point. And I think one of two things is going to have to give. And if Dabo is not going to be willing still to go into the transfer portal to pull people in, people in then you need to start over signing um, and just assuming that guys are going to leave. I mean, Look at recent history and for attrition. Yeah. They're going to leave um, because at a certain point you're going to run out of walk-ons to get scholarships to. And, you know, I, I won't disagree with your earlier point, maybe to play devil's advocate. If Paul Tio is like, I want to be developed by a coaching staff that can get the most out of my talent. And I want to have a crack to someday play in the NFL. Fair. Um, is he getting that from Robbie Caldwell and Thomas Austin and Clemson right now? Like, I don't know. And, you know, you could also say, well, Hey man, you think you have that talent. Like you got to crack the roster here at Clemson. You got to crack the starting lineup and get in there and stuff. So, um, and that's a fair point. I think everybody's situation is is different. And I didn't mean to specifically, uh, uh, you know, 
point out Paul Teo as being um, representative of the things that I described. But when you pile everything together and you see all the attrition and all the transfers that we have, I think that's more reflection of just kind of this day and age. Um, but every situation is different. We don't know all the nuance behind his particular decision to leave here. I could totally see a scenario where if what we've been saying and what we've observed and what we think is true in that Clemson does not do a good job at developing offensive linemen, maybe you're right. Maybe T.O. saw that and is, I you know, was like, listen, I want to go play for, for better coaching. Um, he had already burned his red shirt this year, right? Pretty sure he so has played in that many games. Waiting yeah. in the middle of the season. Then... I mean, he last year didn't count. So I know what you're saying. I mean, maybe he's like, look, I'll go somewhere and still have three years eligibility. Um, still stick it out this year. I mean. Yeah. And again, I don't disagree with you. I think the, the question there is, does he gain anything by like throwing his name in now to, I don't know, get a jump on potential openings? for O-line on future teams rosters. I mean, like, we're by talking declaring about early. like a month and a half until Clemson football season is going to be over after the bowl game. Yeah. I don't know enough about what taking guys in from the portal looks like and when coaches are starting to look at that and make calls, but that early signing period, I think is meaningful where they're, it's like, do you give a opportunity to a freshman or do you give it to a transfer from Clemson? So I think maybe closer to that, that timeline might work, but. Well, then finish out the end of the season. You got three games, three games left. Make it through November 27th. Um, I just hate yeah. the idea of qu- quitting on your team. Well, and I think that maybe that may, that may be a thing that some guys are choosing to do, Ben. So I think that's something to look, look ahead at, you know, we're, we're excited oh, that coming. Clemson. Oh yeah. I was going to say like, not only just, you know, we're excited. Clemson's going to make the bowl game. Not only might you see more attrition from the transfer portal, from guys that maybe were further down the depth chart than they would like. You got good guys coming in as freshmen also just bowl opt-outs. And, you know, we don't have that many NFL prospects on this team that are probably going to go in the draft this year, but I could see a decent number of bowl opt-outs as well. Um, so stay tuned for that Clemson fans. We have not seen that because we've always been in the playoff. Andrew Booth, Tyler Davis on the defensive side of the ball. Just both wanting to stay healthy. Tyler probably. Justin Ross ha- maybe. Has some ailment that he's continuing to recover from. Justin Ross, perhaps. Um, but yeah, there's not a ton. Yeah. Don't see a lot of ton of guys getting drafted this year. You would think a guy like, I don't know, you would think a guy like Ross and even like Xavier Thomas, um, you know, they want to put one more game on tape. Yeah, high profile there, game. Especially with how, mm-hmm. you know, underwhelming this year has been. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That'd be good. Um, all right, Ben. So yeah, uh, more guys going out. Nobody planning to come in. We've got to sign a huge class this year. Don't know that the number of offers is going to increase. Dabo kind of doubled down on the number of offensive line takes. He's like, we're going to have a 15 man room. And that's going to be who we are. Um, obviously he could be intending to pull in 18, 20 guys and still tell us 15 right now in November eighth or ninth whatever day it is um and yeah we'll just go with that but anyway uh o-line number of takes plan for attrition over over sign that's that's going to be our mantra here on the show yeah i mean just all the factors that you mentioned the the transfer portal um 
injuries, career ending injuries, and then just some guys that just never develop, you know, some guys end up being bust. That happens more often on the offensive line than not, because it is such a difficult position to play. You know, you have a beer with Cody at TDs and then all of a sudden you're out of football in a year and a half. It happens to everybody. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Inside joke. It's all right. (laughs) Um, All right, Ben. So pretty satisfying win here. College football playoff rankings came out. People know what's up with that. We don't really need to dwell on it on this show, but I think it's just a manufactured soap opera from ESPN and the college football playoff committee um, to sell a TV show. We'll see. Um, It was interesting to see Purdue once again, kind of take out a top 10 team. I think they play Ohio state coming up. Wouldn't that be great? Um, I have fun watching Purdue beat people. It's great. I mean, they've done it to Iowa this year. They've done it to Michigan state. Um, It's been fun. You know, if they would have started that guy, they have uh, starting now at quarterback at the beginning of the season, who knows where they'd be. I think he played the first five games. I can't quite remember. Um, And they had two losses in that time, one to Notre Dame, uh, one to Minnesota. Then their, their third loss being to Wisconsin, who is playing better. Um, But yeah, they've been fun to watch and you know, you love the upsets, but yeah, they got Ohio state this weekend and Ohio state just um, barely squeaked by Nebraska, Nebraska this past weekend. And, you know, they haven't been gangbusters this year. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun to watch and who, who to thunk it, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to wake forest and Purdue games this coming up weekend. (laughs) Like earnestly, like want to put those on. Uh, we haven't talked about it, Ben. Clemson's going to have its first noon games of the year, both this week and against Wake. Um, you're probably not excited; have to get up early for those. But um, I don't mind. I don't mind the noon games. I'm up anyway. Well, I mean, I'm up. It's 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 less so about the day of the game than Friday how night. I, how I feel? Yeah, <laughs> the day right, after right. the game. Um, starting the bar at nine in the morning out here. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was inevitable. And of course we get hit back to back weeks and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked. And I actually predict that the South Carolina game will be at noon as well. Um, just because, you know, Clemson, uh, win the next two games, we should be ranked at that point. South Carolina will not be ranked. Um, and generally when the two teams are kind of like this and we end up getting that noon time slot just to get a TV spot. I mean, don't look now, man. The Gamecocks are five and four. Shut up. <laughs> Two ranked teams playing for it all. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to be. I mean, they might be Missouri this week because they suck, but I don't think they're going to get by Auburn. And isn't like Coastal Carolina the best team in the state right now? It's probably true. I want their OC. Um, I think they're very, very clear about that. He is. So that sucks. Yeah. Willie Corn probably has some eligibility. Yeah. Lace them up. Um, I think his arm's done. Um, yeah, Missouri, not a good football team. It's at Mizzou, so. So that'll be six. And then, I mean, if they go seven and four, a SEC team with a ranked win against Auburn. They beat Vandy uh, by one point. I'm not, I'm not oh, counting I know. Mizzou out of this, okay? <laughs> That's fair. Um, I'm just trying to figure out a way we can not be a noon game with South Carolina. I think if if we both win our next two games, which 
Clemson more likely than them. I could see I could see both being potentially ranked and then that becoming like a 330 Eastern. Depends on how the rest of the schedule stacks up that day. You're going to have Alabama, Auburn, two ranked teams. You're going to have Ohio Georgia, State, Georgia Michigan. Tech being the number one team in the country. Ohio State, Michigan, both ranked teams. Uh, it's yep. going to be hard to um, to slip in there to a decent time slot. So I, I'm guessing like noon on ESPN. ESPN yeah, two, prob- maybe. Mm-hmm. probably a good maybe call. We can pull a 330 ESPN two game. Yeah, why not? Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, we will be back to recap the UConn game in a week. Uh, hope everyone enjoys that one for those going to the game. Sorry about the early wake up, but get some Bojangles. Tyson's brother is unfortunately out for the season. Oh, no. That would have been awesome. Puma Um, versus Puma. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um, Hopefully, he still travels and their mom can come to the game. Lovely lady. Uh, That'd be really cool to to see that. But, yeah, Yeah. that's a bummer. They won't be able to go head-to-head. For those that don't know, Tyson's brother was the quarterback for UConn, but had a season-ending injury. That's probably why they suck so bad. Well, I don't think that's it. <laughs> the injury just happened. Yeah. What a weird matchup. I was always hoping this one gets would get swapped out for something a little more compelling, but turns out it's exactly what the doctor ordered. This is what we need. Super happy it's happening. Um, glad we didn't swap it for Coastal Carolina a couple years ago. It's funny how this season has turned out. It really is. Well, let's enjoy it while it's here. Um, you know, we love this team, even this team. We love this team. And we are still in the middle of a, of a great run. We got to appreciate it. Football season will be over very soon. Um, yeah, you know, just because, Ben, um, I think, like, we on this show like to talk about the process behind this team and behind getting to getting to where they are. Sure, the result was good with the win. But you do have to sometimes look at things like those coaching decisions. And I think it's only natural for fans to want to critique that stuff. So um, we're, we're maybe not the, if you came here for only sunshine pumping, that's not us. I think people know that by now, but um, you know, I, I think it, it is fair and valid to question this coaching staff when we see stuff like that. And um, we're not, we're not out here questioning these players heart or anything along those lines. Um, just, uh, you know, want them to do their best and be put in a position to win. So that's all that I will say. The effort has been the most encouraging part about the season that we've seen from these kids sticking with it. Well, the, the ones that didn't transfer. And to me, like that does speak to good coaching. So we're going to give the critiques. We're also going to give flowers where they're due. And coaches have these guys dialed in. I think that speaks to the culture. It speaks to who they recruit and who the coaches are as men as well. So very good stuff there. It's just like, look, you can't have a you know, size of a city block banner in your facility that says best is the standard. And when you're not living up to that, not get questioned. So that's, that's kind of all where we're coming from. Anyway, moving on. We love our tigers. Thank you all for tuning in. You know where to find us. Please tell a friend. Enjoy the Yukon game. We'll be back in a week. And as always go tigers. God, Pumachan was 0 for 1. <laughs> he played, I guess, five snaps according to attempts and carries. I don't know. Yeah.
felt like it was more than that, but maybe. Yeah. I can go look at this. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Snap count. Oh, you know, he had a pass downfield to Justin Ross that got flagged for PI. So that, uh, doesn't, so that, that doesn't, it doesn't count as a right. Right. Uh, Tyson played nine snaps. Okay. I, bet, I guess sack, maybe sacks count as rushing attempts though. No, no, no. Hand, well, handoffs. <laughs> oh, duh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not reflected in a box score, I guess. Hmm. 